is Michael Tuck, and I'm the associate pastor here at Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. We are a local church in Surrey, Virginia, dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the weekly podcast that we put out for our local church family and the church as a whole. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. A guy was invited uh, to, by a friend of his to a fundraiser for a charitable organization. And he sat in the front row and he listened to the impressive speeches and then he enjoyed this tremendous meal provided by the organization. But when it came time uh, to give, when they're challenged to give generously, he pulled out a, a well-worn $5 bill and uh, he put it in the collection plate rather uh, secretly and sheepishly. But about that moment, the guy behind him tapped him on the shoulder and handed him a $100 bill. He smiled at the guy's generosity, and uh, he uh, looked around, stretched out that dollar bill in front of the people at the table where he was seated, kind of wanting them to think that he was putting it in. And, uh, and then he turned around after he'd put it in, and he thanked the guy for, guy for his generosity. Well, don't worry about it, the guy replied, but I'd be careful. You got another $100 bill about to fall out of your pocket. <laughs> if this is your first time with us today. Um, our, our series of messages has been on money proverbs, tips to how to handle our money the way God wants us to handle it. And uh, we've been looking at the Proverbs just for this. And uh, we've noticed that the Proverbs has taught us that God's desire for our use of the money that he's stewarded with us is that we, you know, not live in balance, not have too little that we might steal and dishonor his name that way or have too much that we might forget him and not depend upon him. Uh, we've learned that it is important to be diligent when it comes to our finances, that we should not be lazy in any way, that laziness is a sin and that laziness can lead to poverty and to lack. Uh, we saw the dangers of debt, and then we looked at the wisdom of savings last week. And so today we've come to the final tip from the Proverbs that I want to share with you anyway. And so this is my final tip for you, or the one that we're going to look at. And it's this, that generosity is a pathway to blessing. Shortly after World War II, uh, the, the war had, it was over and was ending, and Europe was picking up the pieces. And in much of the old country, the cities had been ravished by the war. And one of the, one of the worst things about all of it were the orphans. They say that there was lots of orphans at the end uh, of the war. And one American soldier was taking his Jeep, heading back to the barracks one cold morning in London. And as he went by a pastry shop, he saw a young boy just with his nose pressed up against the window. And uh, he decided to stop. And he he stopped and he walked over to the little boy and together they watched through the window as the baker inside was making this fresh batch of donuts. And uh, when they took them out of the oven and sat them there, I guess kind of like Krispy Kreme or whatever, the little boy kind of groaned within himself watching this. And the soldier uh, said to this orphan that you know, didn't know who he was or anything. He said, son, would you like some of those? And the boy said, absolutely he would. And so the American soldier went in, bought a dozen, brought them back out to the young boy and gave them to him. And he said, here you are. And as he walked away, he felt a tug on his coat. And the boy said to the man, he said, mister, are you God? 
Now, I've told you that story before. I don't know that it's true. It's, it's told as a true story. But I think it really is true in this way, that we're an awful lot like God when we're generous. We're an awful lot like God when we're giving. Because the Bible says that God is a generous God. And the Bible teaches us that God is a giving God. We all know the verse, right? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Well, that context is that God God has given us Jesus, but God has given us more. I had in my notes that God has given us much more, but then I thought, how can you say anything's much more than giving us Jesus, right? But God has given us more. He's given us our existence. We exist because God created us, because God determined to create creatures like us and give us life and give us relationships to one another and relationships to himself. He gave us that, but he gave us so much more than he gave us more than that. He gave us just the beauty. This morning I was sitting on my porch. Uh, Ann hadn't woke up yet. It was early and I'm sitting on my porch on the swing, kind of going over my notes and, um, and it, just the beauty of my little place in Surrey with the crickets cricketing and the birds chirping. And I mean, it was just absolutely, it was beautiful. And you just go beyond my little place and go to the Grand Canyon or go to Niagara Falls or go to all the places of just extreme beauty. In fact, our world is filled with so much beauty. And the Bible tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from God. So God is this generous God and God is a giving God. So if that's true, and I believe it is, then then it stands, if it's true that God is generous and good and giving, then it stands to reason, in my book anyway, that God would bless generosity, that, God, that generosity would be a pathway or a path to blessing from, from the Lord. A, a pastor and a farmer were sitting there talking across the fence. I was thinking, of course, we've never talked across the fence, Dickie, but uh, maybe Dick and I have when, when you were still farming out there. But this, this pastor was, was talking to a friend of his across the um, across the fence, his farmer friend. And uh, the pastor said to him, Abe, he said, if you had a hundred horses, would you give half of them to me? And Abe said, oh, pastor, you know that I'd give you half my horses. And uh, so he said, Abe, if, if you had a hundred cows, would you give me 50 of them? And Abe said, oh, pastor, you know that I would. And then the pastor said, Abe, if you had two pigs, would you give me one of them? And Abe said, no, cut that out, pastor. You know, I have two pigs. <laughs> I'm glad you got that, right? I don't think you got my first little story, but I, you got that one, right? It's really easy to be generous. It's really easy to be generous in a conversation where you're talking about imaginary horses or imaginary cows. It's quite another thing to be generous in, in, in what's not the abstract, right? And so this morning, I really want to challenge us to be generous, not in the abstract. I don't want you to be generous with the lottery ticket, if you played the lottery, that you may win one day and you're going to give half of it to God's kingdom purposes, right? I don't, I don't want to talk about that kind of generosity. I want to call us, I think this is, the, this thing is the proverbial tip from the Lord, that we should be generous with the paycheck you get week to week. The money that you actually 
hold in your hands and the money that you actually steward at the bank, that God wants us to be generous with that money. So I'm going to share with you four implied assertions from the book of Proverbs with regard to generosity. And I'm sure there are more, and I'm sure that if we went to the New Testament, we could find other things that God asserts about generosity. But I'm going to share with you four from the book of Proverbs. And so the first one is this, and it bears the title for this for this talk this morning. Here's the first assertion. Generosity is a path to blessing. Proverbs 11.24 says this, One person freely gives, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. Verse 25, the verse right after it says, I believe the same thing. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Now, I know I'm just going to repeat the obvious because I want to tell you in my own words what they say. But, but the first proverb is simply saying this. If you're generous, God gives you more to be generous with. But if you're not even generous with what God has given to you, not only are you not going to be generous, you're, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. And then in that second one, he says, a generous person flourishes. A generous person is blessed by the Lord. So they're refreshing others. That person themselves is going to be refreshed. So say the Proverbs. And scripture is so full of promises like this. So many of them that it's led so many preachers, I think, and, and pastors and church leaders or whatever, unprincipled people. To use these promises as, as a way of fleecing those of us who follow Jesus. And the promise is simply this. The pathway to riches is you giving. So as you give, God's going to give to you a hundredfold. So as you give, God's going to make you rich in your generosity. I want to tell you, I don't believe that's what the scripture teaches at all. I don't think the Bible teaches us to be generous in order to get rich. In fact, I, I think the Bible does tell us that God honors and blesses generosity, but it's not to get us rich for ourselves so that we can live these lives of selfishness. I, that's not what the scripture teaches. Stingy and greedy people see the world like this. It's a piece of pie. And whatever piece of pie you get, you need to hang on to it because there's only a piece of pie. And you, you get a piece of pie, you hang on to that because there's no other piece of pie. I mean, you, you have to get more, you have to fight for it. So hang on to the piece that you get. Generous people don't see the world as a piece of pie or as a pie of which you've got a piece. Generous people rather see God or see the world as a place where prosperity and, and provision flows to men and women, flows to the world. And so generous people see God saying, no, if you get your piece of your pie, hang on to it and hoard it. They see God saying, no, be a conduit through which I can flow other, more generosity through you uh, to others. But here's my point. Don't forget my point. My assertion is this, that generous people are blessed by the Lord. Proverbs 14.21 says, Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. 
Blessed is he who is generous to the person who has need. And it's not just the Proverbs. And I know we've been trying to stick primarily to the Proverbs, but the whole of Scripture teaches this. In the New Testament, we have the Apostle Paul teaching the Corinthian church. He says, he says generosity and blessing are tied together. Let me read it to you. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Now remember this. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows generously that blessings may come to others will also reap generously and be blessed. If you are generous, you will be blessed. In fact, I want to make this, I want to make this corollary assertion. To the degree that you are generous, to the degree that you choose to be generous, is the degree to which God will bless you. And I agree with people who say that that blessing includes, though I'm not limiting it to it, it includes it includes provision, includes God taking care of our needs. And by that, I mean resources. I mean, by that, it means shelter and food and that which we need to live. In fact, I want to suggest that not only will God provide that for you, but if you are a generous person, God will provide more for you, not so that you can increase and lavish out your lifestyle, but so that you can increase in your generosity towards others. Proverbs 28, 27 says, Whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing, but one who turns a blind eye will get many a curse. Someone said it like this. They said, we don't give because in giving God is going to bless us. We give because God has already blessed us. And I think the prosperity preachers are wrong when they teach us and they try to say to us, and again, remember the application of their principle is always give to them and their ministries, right? Which, I mean, you're not going to hear me say anything about giving to our church family. I appreciate your generosity. But I told Michael or Dickie, I can't remember which one of them, but I was talking to them. I said, I don't want to talk about giving to our church because I don't even think that God's talking about that in the context of these Proverbs. He's talking about generosity to people in need. And not that we shouldn't provide for our church family. Not that, we, not that there's not expenses that you and I shouldn't be generous towards, but that's not what we're talking about. And God, we give because we've been blessed. We don't give so... Well, that, that, that's my principle, wasn't it? You know, we are blessed because we give. And, and then we give because we are blessed. Here's what Apostle, the Apostle Paul said uh, to, to the church at Corinth, a little bit more detail about, uh, about generous giving towards others, and that it's more than that. He says in 2 Corinthians 9.10, Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed. Now that's talking about, hey, as you give, God gives you what you need. He gives you, you know, your seed. He gives you bread. And he gives you what your house and all that kind. He gives you a place to live. But then he says, and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of saints, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. That's a really cool truth. That my generosity and your generosity meets the needs of others who have a need. But Paul says, listen, it's not just that you're meeting their needs. It's pointing people towards God so that they're really thankful to God because your generosity has blessed them. 
But the proverb that we read at the beginning, Proverbs eleven twenty five, it says this, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And so I want to tell you, I think that God's provision for us, if we're generous, isn't just that he gives us resources by which we meet our own needs and by which we can be even more generous, right? It's not just that, but there's an, intang an intangible blessing that God gives us when I am a generous person, when you are a generous person. And, and I go back to that proverb. He says, the one who refreshes others will be refreshed. And again, he could mean that, hey, if you give and are generous, that God's going to give you the financial need, means to support yourself. But there's just something about that verse that, that speaks to me about the revitalization and invigoration of my heart, that God refreshes me spiritually, emotionally as a person when I am a generous person. And, and if it's not in the proverb, it's definitely in that verse I just read you a moment ago in 2 Corinthians 9, 10, where he says, he provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide the multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So there's a sense in which you are blessed, not just financially by providing and being generous, being providing for others and being generous. It's not just that God refreshes in that way and meets your needs, but that God does something more than that. And he gives you a harvest of righteousness and he, he refreshes your soul. So here's my first assertion. The other ones are not as long. Generosity is a path to blessing, both in provision of financial needs, but also in, in a way of strengthening and motivating and encouraging our heart. Here's the second assertion from the Proverbs. The generous lend to the poor. Proverbs 19.17, whoever, uh, excuse me, not the poor, generous lend to the Lord, I'm sorry. Proverbs 19.17, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Now, how generous would we be if we thought that our generosity makes God obligated to us, that it puts him in our debt in some sort of way? We Remember about debt, right? Who, who the, the, the person who loans, the person who borrows becomes the what? The slave, right? So in, in the Proverbs, the author, I guess Solomon here is telling us that there's a sense in which, you know, our giving to the poor puts God in our debt, sort of like we're making a loan to the Lord. Now, that's an outrageous statement. And I tell you what, I've worked on this this week, and I'm actually, I was actually kind of uh, uncomfortable even saying those words out loud, although that's what commentators say about that verse. That's what they believe the, the author of Proverbs was trying to say, that somehow God becomes a debtor to us when, when we give. I, I'm uncomfortable with that. How can I make God a debtor to me in any, in any way? So what I really think at the, at the root of what the author is trying to say in that metaphorical way is this, that when you and I give generously to others, it's like we're giving generously to the Lord. When I give to others, it's like I'm giving generously to the Lord. You, you are caring for him when you care for others. And, and I go to Matthew and I go to chapter 25. And we've, we've, I've commented on this verse already in the series, but in chapter 25, in verse 35, you remember that's the story where Jesus tells about the sheep and the goats. And he says to the sheep, talking about a certain group of people, come on into my kingdom, be a part of my kingdom. And, and they say, you know, because you, uh, well, here's, he tells them why. Here's why you come into my kingdom. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. And I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You 
took me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you took care of me. I was in prison, you visited me. And then these people, these righteous people will say to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or when were you a stranger and we took you in? Or when did we give you clothes to clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or visit you? And then the king will answer them and he'll say, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. I think that's what the author of Proverbs is trying to communicate, that when we serve through generosity others who have great, greater need than me, when I'm willing to not hoard my resources but be a conduit through which God blesses others, when I'm willing to do that, he says, you're doing it unto me. That's what Jesus told his disciples. And I think that's what Solomon meant. And here's, here's what um, God says to that group. Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That kind of goes back to the first assertion that to be generous is to be blessed. And, and, and here generosity is rewarded by by the Lord. Remember, that's kind of what we said a minute ago, the generous lend to the Lord. There's a sense in which the Lord rewards people for their generosity, not just now, but in the life to come. And so Jesus said in Revelation, he said, behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give every, give to everyone according to what he has done. Revelation 22, 12. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because the one who comes to him must, come to, must believe that he exists. And he is a what? A rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Third assertion. We need generous ears. Proverbs 21, 13. Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. Now, we, we've seen that the Lord blesses those who are generous. But here it tells us that we can purposely close our ears to people who have needs around us. I mean, we've all seen the, you know, the kids in the movies or whatever, when they don't want to hear something, they put their fingers in their ear and they go, la, 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 you know, that kind of thing. We can do that sort of thing to the cries of those around us. You know, um, I immediately thought of Jesus when I read this. Uh, I immediately thought of Jesus where he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He'd say that often. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And, and here's what I'm suggesting, that Jesus wasn't trying to say, I know some of you can't hear, you know, like I know some of you can't hear. I think he's simply saying, if you understand what I'm saying, then apply this to your life. In other words, don't walk away and not do anything with what I'm saying. That's what I think Jesus means when he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He's, he's, he's saying, if you understand what I'm saying, apply this to your life. Don't not do that. Don't refuse to apply it to your life. And, and so the, the truth here is that when we hear of people who have need, we, we, sh we cannot close, we should not close our ears to the cries of people around us who have great need. We're never more like God. Well, we're an awful lot like God when we're generous people. So uh, maybe I shouldn't do this, but the, the cries of the needy, the cries of people are all around us. Here's an email I got from Voice of the Martyrs this week. When armed rebels, groups, or, or radical Islamists attack hostile areas in restricted nations, they often destroy and target Christians. 
Churches and Bibles are destroyed. Christians' homes are burned and Christian women are abused. While Christian men are brutally murdered. As persecutors overrun their communities, our Christian brothers and sisters are often forced to choose between almost certain death at the hands of their attackers or risking their lives as they flee to safety. You can help meet specific immediate needs of our persecuted Christian family members when they are driven from their homes because of their faith in Christ. Your gift helps provide food, clothing, shelter, Bibles to families who have been forced to leave everything behind because of their Christian witness. I mean, that's, that's a specific targeted group of people who are needy, and they happen to be our family. You know, what's this assertion? We need generous ears. Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. Here's another email I got this week. These are this week's emails from Open Doors. It is difficult to imagine a, one from, excuse me, Voice of the Martyr, this one from Open Doors. It's difficult to imagine a young Indian mother holding her six-month-old daughter as her neighbors beat her. It's even harder to picture the scene knowing that during the attack, Benita's persecutor snatched her baby from her arms and threw the child to the floor. I wish I could tell you this attack is an isolated incident in India, but it's not the case. In the world's largest democracy and second most populous country, life is extremely volatile for Christians like Vanita, who left Hinduism to follow Jesus. India continues to be a place of extreme violence and discrimination for those who follow Jesus. For Vanita, her bold choice for Christ led to this brutal attack. And when she and others, including her pastor and family, went to the hospital for their injuries, they were denied treatment simply because they followed Jesus. That's when Open Doors local partners stepped in. It was your prayers and support that made this possible, Vanita said. If the partners did not help, my pastor's wife would have died. I'm not trying to guilt us into anything. I'm simply trying to say to us, listen, the cries of the needy and the cries of the poor are all around us. And so we can either close our ears to those and just live in our little bubble, or we can try to look beyond our bubble to needs all around us and take our excess and our resources and, and just seek to help. This proverb says something else before we conclude this talk. This proverb says, did you pick up on it when I read it the second time? Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also, uh, will also cry out and not be answered. You know, I don't think the Lord, you know, I've thought about this a lot this week, okay? Because, I mean, I get the privilege of working on this all throughout the week and thinking about it, meditating on it. And, you know, is the Lord here just using this as a threat? to pry generosity out of us? I don't think so. I don't think this is a threat to try to pry your resources from your hands and to give to others in need. I don't think that's what he's doing. I, simply, I think he's simply warning us that the consequences of us ignoring the needs of others is that when the time comes, God's ear is not so open to our need. And, and again, not as a threat, not as a threat, but just as, hey, this is how it works, guys. You know, in the book of Romans, chapter 9, it says that God has mercy on whom God wants to have mercy. He gets to be the, the one who chooses whom he's going to have mercy on, whom he's not going to have mercy on. Now, some people think what that means is that God's just arbitrary. You have no idea who he's going to have mercy on. I, I don't think that's what God means at all. I think God's saying, I've told you who I'm going to have mercy on. 
I've told you who I'm going to have mercy on. I'm going to have mercy on the person who has faith. But in this particular case, he's saying, I'm going to have mercy on the one who also has mercy. I'm going to, I'm going to choose to show mercy to the one who is merciful. I'm going to choose, choose to be generous to the one who chooses to be generous. So I don't think this is a threat. I think he's just telling us how it works. I think that's the assertion. Last and final assertion from the Proverbs. Personal righteousness is demonstrated in generosity for the needy. Our personal righteousness, our personal holiness, our personal relationship to Jesus is seen in how we deal with generosity in our lives. Proverbs 14, 31. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors God. The person who is righteous is the person who is demonstrating uh, generosity. You can't, here's the point. If you're going to have an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus or with God, then you, you cannot have that. You cannot say you love God and honor God and have a genuine heart for God if you don't also have a heart of generosity. That seems to me to be the assertion of the Proverbs. That, that my heart for God is seen in my heart of generosity, my heart to give to others, my heart to care for those in need around me. You know, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go further than that, and I'll say the righteous are not just seen in their generosity towards the poor, but they are burdened for justice for the poor. Let me repeat that. It's not just in your generosity to the poor. It's that you are burdened for justice for the poor. Proverbs 29 verse 7 says, The righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no such concern. Adversely, the wicked about the poor on any, on any, at any level, at any level, not in giving and not in justice, but that's not true for God's people. God's people, hey, they are interested in what happens to the poor and they care about that. So I think we have a clear picture of what it means are, to have generosity towards the poor. Let me give it to you. Let me spell it out for you. Proverbs 22, 9. Again, using the Proverbs, the generous will themselves be blessed for they share their food with the poor. In other words, they share their resources. They share their resources to help provide food and care for people who are in a situation where they're needy and cannot provide for themselves. But what about justice for the poor? What does that look like? Well, man, the Proverbs spells it out over and over and over again. Here's Proverbs 31, verse 8. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Proverbs 22, verse 22. Do not exploit the poor because they are poor, and do not crush the needy in court, for the Lord will take up their case and will exact life for life. Proverbs 22, 16, he who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth and he who gives gifts to the rich both come to poverty. That's talking about bribing the rich so that they can get something over on the poor. Proverbs 17, 26, it is not good to be partial to the wicked and so deprive the innocent of justice. Now, I'm not sure why it is, folks. I am not sure why it is that we are prone to favor the rich over the poor. Maybe it's because... Maybe it's because we want to get something ourselves from the rich. You know, maybe that's what it is. Maybe because we feel like, hey, rich, the rich are the important people. So therefore, if I do something for the rich, I'm, I'm important because I'm, I'm hobnobbing with the rich. I'm not sure why it is. 
But, but here's what the proverb says repeatedly, that injustice to the poor looks like when we side against them in injustice on the side of those who have. Because let's, let's face it, guys, when you don't have money and you're poor, you don't have resources to hire the best lawyers. You don't have resources to fight in court. And, and you don't have people usually on your side because there's something about being poor. There's something about being rich that draws us to the rich and, and, and repulses us from the poor. But here's what God is saying to us. He's saying we should never, ever, ever be repulsed by someone in poverty. In fact, we need to take up justice for the poor when they are being treated unjustly in society. Even in the New Testament, even in the New Testament, the book of James, he reprimands the believers because the rich person comes into church. And you remember what they all do? They all just give up their seat for him. And, and James says, I don't get it, guys. Why do you treat the rich in this way and the poor in this way in your church? And then he goes on to talk about some injustices that the rich were leveling against them. He says, why would you side there and, and not here? Actually, you know what the scripture says? The scripture says in when it comes to justice, it, we don't side with the poor and we don't side with the rich. We side with justice. We side with justice. But who ends up being at the short end of the stick? Evidently, when Proverbs were written, it was a lot of the poverty. It was a lot of people who were poor. And he says, listen, believers, you need to have justice towards the poor. And you need to have generosity towards the poor. In fact, your personal righteousness is seen in your generosity towards those in need. That reminded me, as I thought about that this week, it reminded me of what John told us as followers of Jesus in his first letter. Maybe your mind's already going there. Maybe you're thinking like I'm thinking. I don't know. Hopefully I'm thinking right. But in 1 John, the letter of 1 John 4, chapter 4, here's what John wrote. He said, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he's a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And we have this commandment from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and his sister. Now guys, here's what I think. Here's what I think the Proverbs is trying to say. How can you say you love God and not care about hurting people all around you? How can, how can you say you love God and have no concern whatsoever for people who are hungry and people who have great need and you have great surplus. I think it's the same sort of challenge from the book of Proverbs. You know, that our love for God has to be seen in how we take care of people around us, whether they be believers, brothers and sisters, or whether they be people who are not brothers and sisters, but who have great lack or how about brothers and sisters who have great lack around the world because they follow Jesus. What about them? I think that fits. Proverbs 29 verse 7, The righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no concern. Now when it comes to thinking about the poor around me, i, I got to tell you that the folks that come to mind, and especially when it comes to the injustice, it, I think my mind just always goes to our brothers and sisters around the world who are 
I mean, they, they, they are just so oppressed and so needy. And, 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 and honestly, let's just, I think about it here and there, but I, but basically, and I'm not, I'm not doing this, but I forget. And I don't, I don't make it a priority in my life to be generous towards them and think of them and, and try to help as best I can with my excess. I, I don't think about them. But here's another place that the Lord has often touched my heart and I haven't done anything with it. It's called Mission Dignity. You know what Mission Dignity is? Mission Dignity is something O.S. Hawkins started, you know, for it's, it's part of the retirement things for pastors. You know, there's pastors who have pastored little country churches their entire lives. And they, and they have very little, they did very little to save for retirement. You can say, well, it's their fault. Uh, they, you know, but a lot of times it wasn't their fault. There wasn't a lot to save. And so today we have a lot of retired pastors and widows of pastors who are living on just almost nothing. Mission dignity is in a way for us, even as a I've thought about this numerous times for our church family, that we ought to be giving some to mission dignity to help care for some of these pastors. But, but there's, just, there's just places out there we cannot close our ears to those things. Final money proverb tip. Here it is again. Learn to live generously with what God gives you to steward. That's my final proverb tip. Money tip from the Proverbs. Live generously with what God has given you responsibility over. Prioritize generosity. I, I want to say this to you. I hope you're all listening, but you, your life will be as generous only as you envision it to be. In other words, you'll be as generous only as you decide you're going to be and choose to be. In other words, vision, it doesn't matter what realm of life it is, but, but what I set my sights to is going to be so directive of my life. My father quipped, um, I believe pretty regularly, but uh, he used to say, if you aim at nothing, son, you're going to hit it. And we all know what that means, right? If you don't, if you don't aim or if you don't shoot for something, you're, you're, you're probably not going to hit it because you're not prioritizing it. You're not envisioning it. You're not putting, planning for it. So if you, if you don't aim for generosity, I don't think you're going to hit it. I don't think we drift into generosity. I mean, you guys can challenge me on this, but I don't think we drift into generosity. If we drift into anything, we drift into selfishness. We drift into just living for ourselves and, and, and just up in our lifestyle with the money that we make. I think that's where we drift. So you have to value it. You have to choose it. You have to prioritize it. You have to plan for it. I saved this last proverb for the last. I, I was tempted to quote it many times over the last few weeks, but I saved it to now because it's a great place to end on. Solomon said in Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10, he said, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce, and then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Eugene Peterson, uh, and remember again, Proverbs are not absolute concrete promises, but they are principles that generally hold true. Eugene Peterson expressed it this way, honor God with everything you own. Give, he wrote the, uh, the message, I mean, the message paraphrase. Eugene said this, honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Your barns will burst. Your wine vats will brim over. How do you and I become generous people? 
how do I choose to live generously? I want to take that last, last Proverbs and say two things to you. One of them is this. This is how you live generously. You live generously by choosing to honor God with everything you have. You know, and, uh, you know, this has bugged me since I began to follow Jesus and maybe even before then. But it bugs me that we in the church have promoted this thing called tithing. And, uh, and we say 10% belongs to God. And the, the implication is that 90% is for me to live with however I want. Now, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that a tenth is not a great place to begin your giving and your generosity. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I really want to challenge you that it's not that way. God doesn't get 10% and 90 is yours. I mean, it's 100% belongs to the Lord. All of me belongs to the Lord. Everything I have belongs to the Lord. And so I need to steward the 100% just the way he wants me to, whatever he wants me to do with it. So it's led some people to get rid of the 100% and, and, and do something different. We saw a couple not too long ago that decided that their giving would begin at 50%. You remember that? That couple we watched not too long ago? How do we choose to be generous? By choosing to say, God, everything I have belongs to you. And I want to honor you with every bit of it. And then the second part of that verse is honor God by trusting with the first and the best of our resources. And I just really want to challenge us as I'm challenging you and me to gen uh, generosity is to be generous with, not, not with what's left over after we've got the boat payment paid and the new car payment paid and the all these other things that we might pay. Oh, I got this left over. I'm going to be generous with this. And again, I'm not, I'm not against you owning a boat. I want a boat. I don't know why I want a boat because I probably won't go out in it. But anyway, I'm not against boats, car payments. I'm not against any of that. What I am simply saying is just let's just honor God with the, the best and the first of all we have. I mean, make him our priority. Let, let him know, Lord, you, you are the Lord of my life. I think God's point is, seek him first, give him all you have, and everything will be added to you. Everything you need will be added to you. Follow him and he will take care of you. And why is that? Because Jesus gave himself for us. And if he gave himself for you, what more, what more, I think Paul says this, doesn't, what more can he give than he's given uh, his son uh, for us? And Jesus considered equality with God, not something to be grasped and held onto or saved, but he emptied himself of it so that you and I might have a relationship with him forever and ever. And our lives might be transformed. We might be different. The proverb says, you will have all your Needs if we honor God with everything we have. Does that remind you of anything? Reminds me of Jesus. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you have any questions, you can email them to Pastor Jimmy at baconscastle.com. Also, check out our website at baconscastle.com to get to know us and see what God is doing locally here in Surrey. Be blessed.